0: Every Sunday before we hear the scripture reading, we take a moment to pray that God would open up our hearts to hear the word that is spoken to us. Today we are singing a prayer, um, a prayer that the Holy Spirit would be working among us to help us to listen to this good word that we have to hear today. So you can stay seated as we pray together through song.
1: I will be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist his widowing fork is in his hand and he will clear all and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire then jesus came from galilee to john at the jordan to be baptized by him john would have prevented him saying i need to be baptized by you and do you come to me but jesus answered him
2: Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 27. Hear the word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness." if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit, bearing witness with our, own, with our spirit, That we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Let's pray together. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us, melt us. Mold us, fill us, and use us. That we might know who you are and that you dwell with us through your promise. Amen. For the past three weeks at Linwood, we've been learning about God's promises that come to us in the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Pastor Garrett shared with us a few weeks ago what I thought was a brilliant metaphor, that baptism is like a hug. Hugs help us to feel the love that people have for us because love could be considered intangible, something that you can't see. However, through a hug, we can feel and tangibly receive someone's love. Similarly, baptism is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. In baptism, God offers us promises to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, the church, to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew and to refresh us, and to resurrect us to eternal life. The past three Sundays, Pastor Garrett has talked about these first two promises that come to us in baptism. First, that we receive the promise that we are adopted as God's children, and second, that God forgives us. This Sunday, we will be talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3 that Carson read for us, we heard John the Baptist say that baptism that comes through Jesus would include the promise of the Holy Spirit. John said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then, in just a few verses later, we hear a dramatic and beautiful story of Jesus' baptism. Hear it again. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he was coming up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It's such a dramatic and stunningly beautiful scene. The presence of the Holy Spirit is unmistakable as it descends on Christ in a dove-like form. Now, when we celebrate baptisms here at Linwood, I don't know about you, but I don't see the Holy Spirit coming down in the shape of a dove that I can see. Nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is promised by God to us as surely as God's word is true to us. Even in the Old Testament, before the time of Jesus, we received this promise that the Holy Spirit would be given to us. I love this passage from Ezekiel. The Lord speaks this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I love this promise from Ezekiel. And even in the New Testament, Jesus himself speaks of the promise of the Holy Spirit to us. In John 14, Jesus is preparing to make the journey to the cross, and he's teaching all these things to his disciples. They're distressed. They don't want Jesus to leave. And you know what Jesus says to them? It's better if I leave you, because if I don't leave you, you won't receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. We see in Scripture, Old Testament and New, that the Holy Spirit is promised to us time and time again to dwell in us, to connect us to God. So the question is, so who is this Holy Spirit? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is given to us? In the Greek language that the old the New Testament excuse me was written in, the word for the Holy Spirit is Numa Numa. It's actually a feminine gendered ver- um, word and so I'm going to use female pronouns to refer to the Holy Spirit. And the word means wind. Breath and spirit. It's a little bit vague, isn't it? But I think there's something alive in that in itself. Because like the wind, we know that the spirit moves often and is hard to pin down and to find. But like the wind, we can absolutely feel it and know that it's there even though we can't see it. Scripture tells us so much about who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit helps us. Here are a few things that we know from Scripture about what the Holy Spirit does. I'm not going to give you the Bible verse references for all of these. Um, If you want them, you can come talk to me later. Here's what we know. The Spirit helps us to live lives like Jesus and to witness to God. The Spirit convicts us of the things we do that are wrong. Through the Spirit, we are given the gifts, which include love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Spirit comforts us and connects us to God. The Spirit helps us when we are weak. And the Spirit helps us pray when we don't have the words to pray. We honestly could do an entire sermon series on the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, In the Journey with Jesus small group last week, they told me I could preach a 40-minute sermon today. But don't worry, I'm not going to do that. Don't get scared. All that to say, the Holy Spirit is this beautiful, rich gift that there's so many different aspects to. I want to focus today on our passage from Romans, which is pretty um, vast in of itself, and three things I see in that passage about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is a gift to all of us today. First, I see that the Holy Spirit moves us from destructive living to living that is fruitful, freeing, and glorifying to God. I don't know if you caught this, but in the first part of our Romans passage, you may have heard the writer of Romans using this language. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on things of the spirit. What is the writer of Romans talking about here when they write about flesh versus spirit? The Greek word for flesh here is sarx. It means all the parts of our humanity that have sinful desires. It's the part of us that is selfish, unloving, greedy, mean, hurtful, and prideful. This Greek word sarx for flesh is not referring so much to our physical human body like our arms and our legs. There's a different Greek word for that. This word translated flesh is the parts of our human self that show up in the world in destructive ways to ourselves, to others, and to God. This fleshy thing Paul is talking about is alive and real in all of us, unfortunately. It's our shadow side, the part of us that doesn't follow what God desires most and best for us, the world and others. And what the writer of Romans is saying here is that because we belong to God and have the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can't continue on in this old, fleshy, sinful way of living. We have a new way before us that we are called to walk And the Holy Spirit helps us to walk in that way. This new way of walking in the Spirit does take discipline. And yet, the Spirit herself also helps us to live this way. We don't have to do it all on our own. Furthermore, in the moments when we still live out of that sinful, fleshy part of ourselves the writer of Romans reminds us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, when we mess up, because we all do, God forgives us. And the Spirit continues to call us to new ways of living. This leads into the second thing about the Spirit that Romans tells us. The Spirit reminds us that we don't need to fear God when we do mess up and live in the broken part of ourselves. The Spirit reminds us that we are the beloved children of God. And there is nothing that can separate us from God, even our own messy, ugly brokenness. Romans says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit reminds us that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can separate us from our identity as God's children. Even when we are living out of the sinful, fleshy part of ourselves, we call out to God for forgiveness. This phrase that the writer of Romans uses, Abba, Father, is a really intimate phrase. Abba could be translated to say, Daddy. When I think of this, the image that I get in my mind is a toddler. who messed up terribly. Maybe, maybe they took a permanent marker and marked all over their sibling in the walls or broke mom's favorite lamp. Anyways, this toddler did something terrible. But even though they did something terrible, it's not enough to stop that little one from climbing into mom or dad's lap because they know that their parents' love is enough to forgive them, to say, it's going to be okay, I forgive you, I love you. God's love is like that. God's love is big enough for all of us. When we mess up, God doesn't want us to live in fear and hiding. Instead, the Holy Spirit helps us to cry out, Daddy, Father, I am your beloved child. Please forgive me. Third and finally, The last thing I see in this passage about the work of the Holy Spirit is that she helps us to pray. Back when I was in seminary, they told us that there would be moments in our preaching where we were preaching to ourselves. I'm telling you right now that this is one of those moments for me. There are times in our life where it is easy to pray, and there are times in our life where it is hard to pray. I want you to know that this is a normal part of our spiritual life in Christ. I'm in a season where there are some things going on in my life and in the world that are really hard to pray about. I just don't know what to say. I, I feel it, but, you know, I don't know how to verbally express it to the God of the universe. Let me put it this way. <laughs> have you ever been with a really close friend, and you have a moment where you get so frustrated that you couldn't even talk, so you just went, ugh, or ugh, or Pfft. And your friend, even though you didn't say any words at all, knew exactly what you were talking about without you having to talk at all. Or, on the other extreme, have you ever been so happy that all you can do is laugh, or squeal, or stand speechless with joy? There are moments in our life where we experience things that go beyond our words. Or that we don't have the words to express, or we simply don't want to express our experience with words. Those moments when we can't or don't know how to express ourselves before God, the Spirit is praying and interceding for us. The writer of Romans puts it this way. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's us, according to the will of God. The Spirit is praying for us. She is praying for you and for me. She sees the depth of our being and prays for the things too deep within us that go beyond our words and even beyond our comprehension. And God, through the Spirit, hears us. The Holy Spirit is a radical, beautiful gift that connects us to God and helps us to live out our identity and call as God's children. So, beloved people of God, delight and live into this beautiful spirit that is promised and given to all of us. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, Thank you that you live within us through your promise. That you connect us to God. That you help us to live without fear. And that you pray for us when we don't have the words. Keep stirring within us in your holy way. That we might live lives that glorify you in all that we do.